Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. And Raja Bell. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What's going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. Happy Monday. Happy Father's Day to anybody. Happy Father's Day to you, Raja. I know you had a good time with the, the family yeah. yesterday. I did too. I saw that, man. A little golf? Uh, yeah, a little golf. Yeah. Watched a little, played a little. Awesome. You know, got to hang out, ate a lot of food. Uh, we got a big show for you. We're going to break down the U.S. Open, the course itself, Brooks Kepka's performance. It broke down. Yes, it yeah. did. We're going to break down the World Cup. We're going to go deep into deep that. Dive. Maybe we'll touch on the Landon Donovan controversy just a little bit. You're going to have to carry me through the World Cup stuff, though. Okay. Sure. And then I have decided I am going to take on the Mike Bibby workout schedule. Oh. We're going to break that down later, too. The schedule or the I'm, supplement? <laughs> I need to no, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, Yeah, right. Yeah, you figure out the diet. Out that. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to jump into I, that. What do you think later. I meant? <laughs> I, I don't know what you were talking about, but from this picture that we're going to get to later, yeah. I think you can make your own assumption about that. All right, so. Uh, the U.S. Open. That was what I spent the majority of my time watching. Like, yeah. I, I probably watched probably 10 hours of coverage Saturday and Sunday and watched about 10 minutes of the World Cup because I'm a golfer. Like, I love the sport. I think this is, it's one of the four majors. I love sitting down to watch this event. And unfortunately, or fortunately, it depends on what you like to root for, the course became the major storyline because on Saturday, it was, from the player's perspective, they were calling it unplayable, unfair, over the edge. Of course, they lost it. I thought this is what I like to see in the U.S. Open. It happens once a year. It's a time when they're challenged and when mentally they've got to be able to handle getting a double bogey, right. getting a bogey, getting a couple in a row and having to fight through it mentally. Some of them did. Some of them did not. Brooks Kepka did it better than anybody, so he won. What was your reaction when you were watching this? Um, I think I'm kind of with with you on that. I, I I think it. If I'm I'm an average golfer at at best, right? And the emotional like gamut that I run through a round, I'd like to see that reflected and see how they deal with it, right? Like because I it'll put you on tilt really quickly. And I know there are some of the best. They are the best golfers on the planet. But I agree with you. I I want to see them push to the limit of having to dig deeper than they normally have to dig. And generally speaking, I like to see good low rounds in golf. Like I want to see like pin hunting, birdie. But if you're talking about once a year, it is the U.S. Open. Um, I, I don't mind seeing them struggle and have to be pushed to a point where maybe even Phil was. But generally speaking, when you've got every golfer coming out and saying that the course is like that, then I think that the that the USGA needs to do something right. And then when they say that they lost the course, yeah. what what does that mean? Right, Even so, I find myself trying to figure well, out. Well, so that here's means. where I think that the players overreacted. And I was trying to think about this because I I thought they sounded like a bunch of crybabies. Right. And when they're all complaining, like you were saying, because you had all of them, Zach Johnson, Justin Rose, everybody was coming out just ripping the USGA, ripping the superintendent, ripping the course conditions. In sports, generally – you hear the losing team complain about something. Maybe it's the refs. Like you hear, that's right. like kind of a common theme. The, the, the team that lost will complain about a call. They'll complain about the refs. Sometimes, you know, something they'll complain about. In golf, because it's an individual sport, you've basically got 150 losers, quote, losers. Right. So they're upset because they're not winning. Like I didn't hear Brooks Kepka complain. True. I didn't hear Dustin Johnson even complain, even though he, you know, had a horrible round on Saturday. Ian Poulter, you can see his tweet here. Thanks, guys. Did Bozo set the course up or are the USGA going to accept, uh, you know, this for the course conditions? Like it, they were ripping into the USGA, into the course, which is beautiful. I was up there on Tuesday. It's a gorgeous course. I thought they screwed up three pin placements. And this is kind of the, this is the sentiment from the broadcast team, from right. other guys who, you know, weren't playing the course that three pin placements were, over the edge, so to speak, but obviously some players handled them better than other. Like sure. you had to hit your shot perfect, where usually there's a little bit of a margin fair. You can be, you know, if you're a little short, you'll still hold the green. This one, instead of holding the green if you're short, it would come back all the way to the fairway. I think your point is that everybody, like everyone has to play the same damn course. Right. So like whether you like the course or not, it doesn't matter. Everybody's playing, it's an even playing field. So you, you make your shots. It's going the person who makes the least amount of mistakes doesn't even sound like the hottest golfer 
on a course like that, it's the one who makes the least amount of mistakes is going to walk away with the U.S. Open that year. That was Brooks Kepka. Right. So when I, because I had the same thought as you, like, hey, if everybody's, because I used to, any player or any coach I ever had, if we, if there was a rainy day, right. they would say, hey, look, both teams have to play. And, you know, like that was always the sentiment right. from the coaches. Um, with golf, and this is the one thing I was kind of like, oh, that's unique to golf, is that in the morning, true, guys like Daniel Berger, uh, a couple other guys went really low in the morning, and they jumped up the leaderboard like 40, 50 spots yeah. because the course was playing easier in the morning. But I would say it all comes out in the wash. Like you're playing four rounds, you're playing, you know, you're playing a lot of golf that you'll have your opportunity. Like Thursday, Friday, they flip-flop morning, afternoon tea time so that right. you get the different looks at the course. So I'm always like, you know what? You play a lot of golf. You're going to shoot, you know, you're going to hit the ball 279, 280 times. It's going to come back and it kind of even itself out. That's interesting though, because I hadn't factored that in. And I heard some comments to that point about the morning, you know, the course was lost throughout the day. Like it, it was playable in the morning. And then by the time you teed off, by the time you finished your round at 18, it was now an unplayable course. So there, there is some of that to be factored in. So here's some of the quotes to exactly what you're talking about. So Zach Johnson, uh, was really the guy that kind of set it off when he went on Sky Sports. Uh, he said, quote, I thought we could be on the edge, but we've surpassed it. It's pretty much gone, specifically the latter part of the day for us. It's pretty much shot, which is unfortunate because it's, in my opinion, some of the best land and one of the best venues in all of golf, specifically in this country. It's as good as it gets. Shinnecock Hills is beautiful. Unfortunately, they've lost the golf course. Man, I, I think it's a little over, like, a little too dramatic. Like, yeah, it's and, tough. But Zach doesn't usually come out no, and fire shots. No, either. he's pretty ca- calculated. Another guy, Justin Rose, very, you know, does not get out there. Give you a lot right. uh, as far as quotes and stuff. He also said, quote, talking about the course on Saturday, I'm going to answer it diplomatically because I've never seen a golf course change that quickly, said Rose. I was saying to guys out there from yesterday afternoon, I played late and it was calm. And obviously from the rain previous in the day, we were struggling to get putts to the hole yesterday afternoon. Jim Furyk, another veteran guy who's been around a long time, doesn't traditionally, you know, come real outspoken on courses, Ryder Cup captain. The course transformed today from hole one to 18, said Furyk. It was a different golf course in the back nine and really just became kind of who could survive and get through the day. That quote to me is what the U.S. Open is supposed to be about. It's the survival of the fittest. It's the, like, you've got to be mentally tough as opposed to, hey, if I have a triple bogey, I'm just going to go out and birdie the next or get an eagle in the next four or five holes, yeah. and I'll be right back into it. You cannot – you just can't do that. So you have to really contain yourself mentally. What Again. Like, uh, would you rather watch a tournament where it's 20 under or a tournament where the winner is 20 under or where the winner is one over? I think it depends. It depends on whether, like – like my eyes when I watch some of those, when I watch Phil Mickelson running over to his ball and taking another swipe at it while it's still rolling, <laughs> yeah. like those guys, they're, they're pros. So if they're if they're acting like that, there's something wrong, right? If it sometimes I watch like the 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 Open Championship, let's say, and let me ask you a question, because I when I grew up, I wasn't as an avid golfer like you were until I got older, but I always remember the Open Championship as being the one with the really tough conditions, like right. weather conditions and tough courses and stuff like that. When has it always been the U.S. Open? The U.S. Open, I don't yeah. remember being. Well, they've always, the USGA has always wanted to make it the toughest test. Like going right. back to 1974, which was actually the last time that you had a leader over par at this, after the third round. Uh, and that was the massacre at Wingfoot, they called it. Like to talk about okay. dramatic. Yeah, right. Um, but when you go back, it's, it's, but for me, I'm okay with that. If it's once a year and it's that test, like I would, I would see every tournament like this, but I think for the biggest championship that the, this country has, I'm okay with this it. This one just had a different feel. So to answer the question you asked me, I would probably rather see scores right around par. Like I don't want right. to see 20 under. That's right. just a birdie fest. I don't necessarily want to see that, but something about the way this course was chewing people up. You know what I don't want to see? I don't want to see people coming in at 16, 17, 18 under. Right. If you're around par and the majority, like there's, it's tightly, you know, it's compact and, and there's not a huge, I don't want to see, um, uh, Rory McElroy's and, and Tigers at, at 10 to 20 over. I don't want to see that. Right. And that's why the USGA, I feel like made it overcorrected a little bit because Brooks Kepka won last year at Aaron Hills, uh, with a score of 18 under yeah. last year, 16, 16 under, under, 16 under last year. So they were obviously overcorrected. Speaking of Brooks Kepka, Incredible performance. Back to, uh, first back-to-back U.S. Open champ since 1988 and 89 when that was Curtis Strange. That was pretty cool to see Curtis hug him coming off uh, the 18th green. But Brooks Kepka talked about uh, his performance yesterday after the round. 
I mean, it hasn't sunk in yet, <laughs> to be honest with you. I think it's, I didn't, I don't want to say I didn't think I could do it, but I knew that it was going to be that much more difficult. And, and to finally to do it, it's much more gratifying the second time. Um, I can really appreciate how hard it is to win a major and, and to, you know, win back to back is special. And, you know, my second major is, is cool. Um, you know, hopefully there's, or well, there will be, you know, a few more. All right, I was rooting for Brooks, Brooks Kepka. I was rooting for him and Daniel Berger, two right. Florida State guys. So okay. I was rooting for them. He, they is both he a live. Seminole? Out of, yeah, he is. Yes, he is. Uh, he's right. got a great story. Like I, so I, I was telling you before the show, like I root for him for one reason. I don't think he, he's not a diehard golf nut. Like, Why? I don't what even make, know if he that? loves the sport. Give me a little. So he wanted to quit the sport of golf when he was a junior golfer, like, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 years old. Right. Because he thought it was boring, which is a lot. That's a struggle that I had growing up. Like I quit golf. Yeah. I thought it was awful. I was like, I don't want to play golf. He was a great athlete, basketball, baseball player. Like he was good at all these other sports. And I think he just kind of hung around because he was really good at it. And I don't even know if he loves the game now. Like, I don't think he's a grinder, a guy who's out there on the range till it's dark and he gets up uh, early and putts. I think he's just this incredibly you're a grinder guy. Good, no, you, but you pull for the grinder though. No, no, I no. pull for Brooks Kepka. All right, like okay. I like that fact that because I think it's pretty cool to be able to watch a guy that's that athletically gifted. That I'm, and I'm sure he, I'm not saying he doesn't practice at all. But I don't think he's a guy that's out there just grinding twenty four seven, thinking about the sport. Like he's kind of a he's a golf bro, is what he is. Like when he said, "Hey, it's pretty cool." Like I think yeah. he's a golf bro. That's fantastic. If there is such a thing, yeah. No, we got basketball guys like that. Everybody's yeah. got a guy in their locker room that, <laughs> right? You, like you kind of wish, jealous yeah, of you kind of wish you could do that. You're like, <laughs> hey, he's just show up good and bomb drives right. off the tee, and you know have the short game to get up and down. So I I think it'll be interesting because my dad was asking me this last night. I was watching with my dad on Father's Day, which was pretty cool. And he was like, "All right, you know, how big a story is this guy? Is this guy a big name? Is he a superstar?" I was like, "Not yet." Which first back to back U.S. Open since. You know, in 30 I mean, years, he joined some pretty good company. Be, if he's not already, of, of guys who have won twice at the U.S. Open before the age of 30, you've got Tiger Woods, Ernie Els, and Jack Nicholas. Now yeah. Brooks Kepka. Exactly. So he's going to be, and he already has like the Michelob Ultra guy. Like he's got some ads that are yeah. out there. Full Nike athlete. Right. My right. wife was like, hey, he's pretty good looking. So yeah. he's going to get some endorsements and he's going to be, I think, much bigger on the world stage. Also, this tournament vaulted him to number four ranking overall. So he's not just good at the U.S. Open. He's good everywhere. Right. And, uh, he's fun to watch. And he's from Florida. What, what's his personality like? You know him? Uh, I think he's like, I mean, he's best friends with Dustin Johnson. Like they, that was pretty cool because they were playing right. around yesterday. They work out together. Yeah. Um, they, I think they like to have a good time. That's good. Like he's the Michelob Ultra guy. Yeah. And I think it's a perfect endorsement for him because I think he likes to hang with his boys. Like he's still single. He's dating like an actress. Like he's got a pretty yeah. good setup going. He plays golf, flies in his private jet around the right. world. He, Again, more reasons I'm jealous of this nah, dude. But he's one, but I think he's heart, also bro. because he's like that, because he likes to hang with his boys, I think he's relatable. Like I don't think he's a stuck up like golfer guy. Yeah, totally. You know? yeah. So I'll be rooting for him. All right. It was a struggle for our guy, Tiger. Uh. I know you don't. Did I, I chalk it up. I chalk it up. Chalk it up. I chalk it. One of them. Look, All right. So you know I met him. Did you? Yeah. Well, so no, I saw. Yeah, I got to meet him. Are you yeah, were scared to take cool. the selfie. Yeah. I What'd you say to him? Well, that was kind of cheesy because I actually got introduced to him. Yeah. And I was like, "Hey, how you doing? Nice to meet." He was very nice, like smile, and he was on the putting green, like practicing. So I didn't want to screw. I didn't yeah, want to totally, mess with him. Totally, totally. And then I thought it would be totally like cheesy fanboy to say, "Hey," but he I didn't know. He didn't know you. Uh, I think he might have. Okay. Because he was talking about, like, listening to my radio show. Right. Uh, at ESPN. So, like, there was a familiarity there. Okay. Like, that was cool. Like, I thought that was pretty cool. That like, is pretty cool. And for, I've only gotten kind of nervous to meet certain people. And I don't know if you know, like, I wasn't, like, stumbling over my words, but I was like, this is pretty cool. Right. Like, it was, I met Jordan. When I met MJ, that was like, oh, this is cool. I met Shaq, and that was because of his size. I'm like, this guy's a monster. And I would say a tiger, I would put right up there, like, this is kind of cool to meet this dude. Yeah. And I just didn't have the, uh, you know what to ask him. Hey. <laughs> but I also am glad I didn't, cause that would have been like, he probably would have lost an artist record. Yeah, sure. You well, kept yeah. it. You kept it. Yeah. You I kept, kept it, it right. cool. Yeah. yeah. So I think when you say chalk it up, I agree with you. I think this is just part of the process of him coming back. You saw some of the other names that were, you know, didn't make the cut. Jordan Spieth, Roy McElroy. A lot of guys st struggled on this course. What, what was Tiger? Tiger wound up what? 10 over for the tournament? Yeah, so he's oh uh, shoot uh, plus eight, so he's he said seventy eight and seventy two, and he was seven over, right? Yeah, he was seven over on what the first two holes? Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, yeah. so he started the tournament with a triple bogey, but it, and actually came back. It right wasn't, there. I mean, I hate to say this when you're eight over for a tournament, but it wasn't like 
all bad. It wasn't just a catastrophe. He just, he was like a, a casualty, like casualty of that course. He was in the wrong spots occasionally and it cost him a bunch of strokes. I watched him on day one and part of day two and it just wasn't terrible. He was just a little off. Right. So I, here's my assessment of Tiger Woods and this is kind of a sad assessment. I think, I think he's a top, he's, he's going to be for the rest of his career a top 25, top 30 golfer. Okay. I don't know if he gets the major. Yeah. Like I, I think that's great. Like we'll see him. I think he'll get another regular tour event because there are much more of them. Uh, I just and I hope he gets the other major. I hope sure. he gets it. I hope he challenges Jack. But it's really hard to win majors when you're not this invincible, dominant, intimidating figure that he simply isn't anymore. Well, none of them are though. Exactly. But yeah, like, so, nobody's in that territory. So for that reason, I would say like I tend to agree with you that I don't think he's not going to be the number one player in the world like dominating anymore. I think that he could probably work his way back to top 10 type of golfer if not for any long period of time, but I think he could work his way into a rhythm where he, where he regains top 10. I tend to agree that top 25 is more reasonable for what the next five to 10 years, maybe. Yeah. Um, but I think he'll get one. I think he'll find a way to so get it. You're sticking major. with it because yeah. you said it last week. He's mm-hmm. going to win. So you're sticking with it. All right. I hope so. I'll be rooting for him. All right. We're going to get much more into DJ and Phil, uh, with the, the hit and hit the moving ball. We're going to break that down later, but. Right now, we got to get to you have to see it. You have to see it. Okay, this was kind of crazy. World Cup, we talked about a little bit. Huge upset uh, from Mexico beating Germany. They actually celebrated so much in Mexico City that they actually had registered an earthquake. That's fantastic. On the Richter scale. I think that's what it is. I think that's a graph. Of that, a yeah, that's scale. a Richter graph. I guess. Um, I don't know, but they were moving around pretty good. I, I it's This, to me, is the World Cup in a nutshell, like how passionate the fans are. And obviously Mexico going nuts for their team. Good for them. Like this is incredible. El Tree was balling. Yeah. They were balling. Uh, and Germany's like coming off of, you know, they won the last World Cup and, yep. you know, they, I think they were the heavy favorites. Mexico, Mexico was an underdog. I don't think anybody is like, I don't think it's like a, 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 a 16 beating a one type of deal right. in the NCAA tournament, but like it is an upset. And right. Mexico, I felt like Mexico had a lot of opportunities to, um, like they were playing this, they weren't like controlling the ball. They were playing a lot of long balls, uh, up the court and they were counter, they were counter breaking or counter attacking. They call it, I guess, in soccer. And I thought they missed a lot of opportunities. I thought it could have been uglier than it was. And then it got really weird because in the second half, they just completely locked down. It was like your typical, I'm up 15 and I'm going to stop doing everything I did to get me to this point. Right. And they almost paid for it because Germany was like pelting them in the second half, but they held on huge win. It was a really, really good game. If you're a, you're yeah, the underdog much. guy. Yeah, and you could have gotten them at 41 odds, which yeah. I wish I had because I didn't win very much on uh, the World Cup betting. We're going to get much uh, deeper into the World Cup next block, but you have to hear this, okay? You have to hear it. You want to get emotional? I get emotional on Father's Day. How about this from uh, the Texas Rangers, Jose Trevino, who made his MLB debut on Friday. Tell me what was going through your mind when you stepped up to the plate with the bases loaded. My dad. My dad, I wish he was here. I knew he was going to help me, too. What does it mean for you to have your son here? A lot. I can't wait to tell him about it. It's one of the craziest weeks of my life. I mean, if it doesn't get much more emotional than that. So he made his MLB debut on Friday. Hits a walk-off hit Sunday to help the Rangers beat the Rockies 13-12. to One week after his first child was born... And there he is remembering his late father. Like I, I like if you need more than like a mo- and how about the like the the interviewer? The, yeah, he had a pretty easy job. Yeah, he's just <laughs> softened up top balls. Like he's just going deeper, deeper down the emotional hole. But that's pretty cool to watch. That is that really cool. Jose Trevino there. Yeah, on him. Read and react. A little read and react. Some headlines from CBSSports.com. All right, Dustin Johnson's collapse all too familiar. You're asking why? Well, he had a four-shot, 36-hole lead, largest in the U.S. Open history by a player that failed to win. But he followed up on Saturday with the 77 when those course conditions were atrocious. Uh, in his career, he's had some big stumbles, like in the biggest stages where he's had some opportunities. Uh, he had the three-putt uh, from like six feet at Chambers Bay, which cost him when he lost to Jordan Spieth. He had the whistling straights deal where he hit the ball out of the bunker, and he didn't know it was the bunker, so he had a shot penalty. Yep. Um, this one, I don't, when you say collapse, I think this one was the course was tough. It chewed and spit up. It's chewed up and spit out a lot of world class players. Were there some nerves? I'm sure there were, but I'm not going to put this one on Dustin and say, Oh, he's a choker or, you yeah. know, by any means. I'm with you. I think this had more to do with the course and its unplayability, uh, on Saturday afternoon. 
I didn't admittedly I didn't see the end of the round, but I'm not going to hang this one on Dustin. I do think it was interesting though um, that he declined uh, in yeah. the interviews after the 70. So that that you know maybe he's feeling it yeah. a little bit more than we're giving him credit for. Yeah, I, so I didn't realize either. He's 33. I thought he was closer because him and Brooks Kepka are boys. They're like best friends. I right. thought he was 28, 29, 33. Is, and he'll only have one major as good as he hits the ball. I think that's a little underperforming, but I don't want to go out and say, oh, he's a guy who can't finish or he can't get it done just because I, I think he's proven that he can do it. Uh, he's got 18 career PGA Tour wins. That's pretty impressive in itself. Uh, but I think it's really hard to win majors, and I yeah. think that kind of speaks to it. Uh, interesting. That, would you – like, I think it is when you see players don't talk to the media. I kind of always did because I took it as part of the job. And in the NFL, you actually have to. You can get fined. Right. Um, now when, I don't get upset when guys just don't talk. But here – I don't – I'm not upset with him at all. But when you don't talk to the media, that, that lets me know that something's wrong with, with you. Like, right. there's something going on there. Uh, because generally speaking, even in – in a win or a loss, like you get up there and and, and you yeah. explain what happened, you you do your job, and we, you help the media do their job. Of That's course, you I have a respect. There's a respect level, right? Yeah. Um. But when you're when you're not in a mood to do media, something's wrong. Something is going on personally there. Whether you're upset with yourself for not closing the deal or or so, whatever it is, there's something more to the story than you just lost a tournament. Like you, you got some beef going on when you don't want to talk. Yep. All right. Next headline from Shaquille O'Neal. Quote, LeBron doesn't need to be chasing rings. All right. Here's his quote in an interview with ESPN. He said, after I got to three titles, everybody was saying I couldn't get another. So I got four. After I got the fourth, they were saying I couldn't get another one. So I was trying to make quick stops to get it. Phoenix, Cleveland, Boston. Somebody told me a long time ago, they said your book is already set before the later stages of your career. You can add index pages toward the end, but your book is already set. So LeBron's book is already set. Um, I tend to agree with that. I mean, Le there may be some, you know, if LeBron should go somewhere and win like four more championships, maybe it changes the, the, the last chapter of LeBron's book. But for the most part, like LeBron is going to be regarded as one of the top what five basketball players of all time. And I'm, I'm even giving right. 20 years, 30 years down in, in, into the future, like not just the people that we've seen already. He is that type of multi-generational player. So it's set. I think it's, you know, I think it's interesting in, in, in that, you know, Shaq did a lot of bouncing around and he alludes to it in that quick stop statement. Um, and, and that's not always fun. It's not like part of fun on a team is like being with the guys, you know, you know, like having a rapport, you know, knowing families like like, you know, it's a family environment. When you start bouncing around like you're like you're a mercenary, sometimes that's not that's not as much fun. You know, like you're chasing the championship. LeBron should be looking for, in my opinion, like go ahead and get your money. The one year deal. It, Lord forbid, knock on wood. He, he hasn't had an injury yet. I mean, that that that's going to happen at some right. point. You're getting older. So lock in. Get your deal. Make sure that everything's taken care of there. Find a place that you and your family love to be in that you have an opportunity to try to win, you know, championships. It doesn't have to be like the number one place and go, go to a good organization with a good coach, right? So that your last whatever six, seven, five, six, seven years can be just fun and well coached and well run organization and your family loves to be there. Big difference in Shaquille O'Neal though later in his career. His play was deteriorating. He's getting out of shape, getting a little bigger. LeBron sure. still playing as good as he's ever played. I would say this for LeBron, and this is where I would disagree with Shaq. Like, why do you play? You play to win. Like, you play to win championships. So yeah. That's what I would be looking for if I'm LeBron. If you can make it Cleveland and stay at home, that'd be fantastic. Sure. If your best opportunity is LA, where the odds makers say that's his, uh, the, the best chance of him landing at, uh, two to three odds, minus 150, then do that. But I also would say, I also think you should consider at his age, that this should be your last stop. Can you find somewhere where you can spend yeah. the next four or five years and finish your career there? Because you don't want to be the hopper from one to I'm one with next. you. Yeah. Like, you don't go somewhere to make money and not win. Like, you don't chase money like I did towards the end of my career because I hadn't made. Right. That's not what you should be doing. But you certainly don't want to be the hopper. Right. Like, not LeBron. Like, I feel like that would hurt your legacy if you become the hopper just chasing a championship around. You know what's funny about, uh, like, Shaq? I was, uh, I forget what was it? Oh, whenever Shaq got traded from Miami to Phoenix, I was in a pregame sitting there with Leandro Barbosa watching the Miami Heat play. Uh, and they were talking about Shaquille O'Neal and he was on the screen. He was out with this hip injury and you have to, you have to know LB to appreciate this voice, but LB says to me, Raja man, who, who, who is going to trade for, for Shaquille O'Neal now, man? Look at him, man. 
And I said, uh, I was sitting there. I was like, LB, like someone would have to be out of their effing mind to trade for Shaq right now because he was injured and he was heavy. And I didn't know Shaq at the time, admittedly. Right. Two, three days later, the effing Phoenix Suns trade for Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it. I had just said it to Leandro Barbosa three nights before and we traded for him. That was 08? Uh, huh? That was 08? Yeah, it might have been 08. It could have been 09. I'm not sure. And he was... He was a good teammate, a great dude. He was a little out of shape when we got him, and then I got traded, but he was an all-star the next year. So he right. regained his form. Right. Um, but it was just a funny story. Like, <laughs> I love that. All right. Uh, next headline. Uh, Brady career coming to an end sooner rather than later. So this headline obviously comes from the interview he did with Oprah, because if you're big, you go on with Oprah. Yeah, you get a car. You yeah, get you a get, car. yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get another year of your career. So he was talking about uh, his career. He said, and the end of it, he said, quote, I think about it more now than I used to. I think I'm seeing there's definitely an end coming sooner rather than later. As long as I'm still loving it, as long as I'm still loving the training and the preparation and willing to make the commitment. But it's also, and I think what I alluded to a lot in the Tom vs. Time docuseries, there's other things happening in my life too. I do have kids that I love, and I don't want to be a dad that's not there driving my kids to their games. My kids have brought a great perspective in my life. Kids just want the attention. You better be there and be available to them. Great. Great stuff. Great mindset that he has there. But to think like this is any different or this is like some revelation that, oh, all of a sudden Tom Brady's thinking about retirement, that's just stupid. I think he knows that he only the, the window is closing. Uh, and I, I just think it's kind of stating the obvious. I don't think this is that, you know, this great get for Oprah. Oh my gosh. All of a sudden he's yeah. talking about retirement. No, definitely not. I mean, the fact that he's, the fact that he's not all football now, he's got the TB12 that he, yeah. he I mean, you could see him starting to branch off and do things that are, that are post career, right? Like he's got Tom Burt's time. You know what sports can be? And I was talking about, I don't know. I was talking to one of my kids and my wife the other day about like what I liked to do when I was younger, mm -hmm. like what? And I was, I didn't like to do anything. All, no, all I liked to do was play basketball. Right. That was it. Like in any moment of my day and whatever, it was all consuming. And it was like that when I was 20. Like my wife would come shag balls for me when we were in Dallas. Like people would be at the bar like at 11 o'clock and I like to go out and have a good time like anybody, but you could kind of find me in the Dallas, like downstairs in their, in, in their practice facility. It's what I wanted to do. It's all, but when I had kids, like, and I got to about like, when I got to my thirties, you know, perspectives on things changed a little bit. Like I had a little bit, I knew I had been exposed to things like you, your, your priorities change a little bit. And so that's human nature, dude. And if you thought Tom hadn't thought about that and wasn't preparing for that over the last four years or so, you're, you're out of your mind. He's human. I will say this football is a sport. It's the best sport to be a family guy, to yeah. be a dad, because the hours are very conducive. They're, they're the most normal work hours of any sport like basketball you got to travel a lot 82 games it's That's a heavy hard. workload you're playing late yeah. at night like there's there's just a different baseball forget it 162 games you got two week road trips football 16 weekends you only travel on eight of them you're only gone one night yeah, it's true and through the week you're kind of like nine to five now if you work like brady probably puts in a little extra he goes right. at seven comes up at six and you get an incredible off season you get seven months off where you don't have to do that it's it's the best sport for that, which is, I think, why guys like Brady can do it for this long and not feel that pressure from the family that, yeah. you know, he hasn't had to feel yet. The so. only difference is in football, you might not be able to play, like, flag <laughs> football with your that kids. Is, that is very true. Yeah, you won't be able to live <laughs> with them up. walk around yes. with them. But, exactly. no, I, yeah. I this is all great. Yeah, yeah, but you won't be able to pick them up. But, yeah, it's great. All right. How about a little overreaction or proper reaction? Okay. Overreaction or proper reaction. Uh, all right. This is a World Cup one right here. Yeah. Ronaldo is better than Messi uh. after the performance he had uh, in their draw versus Spain. He had the hat trick. Uh, it was a clutch free kick that people are still watching on loop. Uh, it was pretty insane, the performance. He had Messi, on the other hand, was 0 for 11, uh, missed a penalty kick to give Argentina the lead as they had a draw with Iceland. Still my favorite story because of the clap they do. Um, your reaction. Ronaldo is better than Messi. <laughs> What's that? I'm pumping my brakes. Pump your brakes. Right. Pump those. That brakes. is an overreaction. That's an overreaction. Um, now Ronaldo played a game like for the ages. Like it was phenomenal. Some of the shots he made, the timely shots, and Messi was bad. But I don't think I'm ready to say that Ronaldo is better than Messi. I, that's why not. I'm looking at their stats up here in the thing. He's got. Are you asking me in the, the in the first game of the World Cup was Ronaldo better than Messi? Yes. Like that's career unequivocal, right, Debo? These are career numbers, or is it just this year? In the World Cup, in their career, they both had four appearances. They, uh, Messi has more games, 16 games, and Ronaldo's 14. But Ronaldo has more goals. One. Goals. He's got one, and yeah, Messi has more. one more assist. <laughs> nah, but I mean, look, this, this is the I, debate. 
Like yeah. I am not that this much of a soccer debate, yes. right? I am not that much of a soccer head right. to be able to really deep dive that debate. Um, I'm just not. I think that Messi's going to bounce back and have a good World Cup, but Ronaldo, man, that it was it was like poetry in motion. I'm going to refer back to our guy Thomas Rongen, who we had on Friday to uh-huh. our World yeah. Cup special blowout episode. He said Messi's the best, so I'm going to say with you, plump the brakes a little right. bit. And I think they play a little <laughs> different styles. They do. I'm not they mistaken. Do, for sure. All right, next up, an initial top three World Cup favorite will not win. Overreaction or proper reaction? I think that's an overreaction again. Um, cause there was a rough one. So the, the favorites, Germany, defending champ, they lost to Mexico, one nothing. Brazil tied Switzerland on Sunday, one to one. France narrowly escaped, uh, Australia, two to one on Saturday. Argentina, as we mentioned, tied, uh, Iceland. Spain ties Portugal. Yeah. No, there were some, but it's like any major tournament. Like sometimes you may have a team that just comes out and puts every doubt to rest. Like we're here. We're going to win this tournament. Let's get it cracking. I saw a lot of nerves a little bit. Like, like, Ronaldo might have been the one dude that didn't look like he had nerves. Right. Like he was ready to go. Everybody else looked a little uptight, like they were trying to ease their way into the tournament a little bit. I thought France, Australia might not be like a powerhouse soccer team, but they're typically really tough in any sport. Like they just breed that type of person. They're tough. They're physical. So I give France a pass. They figured it out. Pogba had a, had a late goal there. Um, I, I think one of the, t- I think one of your blue bloods will wind up winning it. I'm going to ask you something. I'll put you on the spot. And I don't know if you know this answer or not. All right. So I'm putting you on the spot. Because I feel like some sports are conducive to the best team usually winning. The NBA, you have to win, you know, four out of seven. Yes. And you have to go all the way through the playoffs. So usually it weeds out the luck factor. College basketball, not so much. You can get on a streak. You only have to beat a team once. Yeah. Very much. I cannot figure out the way the World Cup is determined. The groups and all that. Like, I just don't invest very much in it. So right. I don't keep very – do you think the World Cup determines the best team usually – or can there be some upsets where there's, hey, there's a luck factor and a team gets hot? I think a team can get hot in that format and, and do okay. But generally speaking, you have to advance through group. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's based on points and then, and goal differential and all that stuff. So you have to advance through group. And then, and then after that, it becomes like, like in the finals, it's one game final. Right. So when you're talking about a one game final, that's the NCAA tournament. That's, right. that's, you know, the college football, like right. the championship. So the, the better team doesn't necessarily have to win that day. I think, but getting leading up to that and getting the pool play and stuff like that, I think that that um. Would you rather see the best team win, or do you like the stories? Because I actually no, like, dude, I like to see underdogs win. Me too. Yeah. Like at the NFL, like everybody always uses uh the college football uh playoff to bash the NFL. They're like, well, I don't want an eight and five conference winner to get in because they might win. I'm like, well, the Giants won when they were wild card winner. They were nine and seven. They went on, got won the Super Bowl. They, yeah, you know, they beat the undefeated Patriots. Like I. I love seeing those stories. I like being able to get hot at the right time. Me too. Me yeah. too. Um, and but you know what? It's soccer because I'm not a purist. Like I only tune in kind of. I like to just see good soccer. Right. And there are two types. Like I don't mind a wide open game where where people are making runs and they're through balls and we're we're up and down on the counter break. I also don't mind like what Spain did, which is just like Spain will just knock it around and just keep like their passing percentage is like ninety percent. They just control the ball and then all of a sudden they strike like a you know it's like a little cobra. You turn your head for one second and he. You know, he put it in the back of the net. So I just, I, I appreciate the good soccer when I'm on this stage, regardless of who wins. All right. It's my favorite one. Phil Mickelson should have been disqualified on Saturday. Overreaction or proper of reaction? Of course he should have been disqualified. Really? Of course he did. The, what, what, We're what, on the same page. What are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> anybody other than Phil Mickelson or maybe Tiger. Or, you know what? If Tiger did it, he might have damn got disqualified. Seriously. <laughs> right. Like, everybody loves Phil. He's yes. everybody's America's favorite golfer. Correct. Uh, high fives to kids. Yes. And they always get it when he gives away his glove. Uh, so he was, I didn't know he was celebrating his 48th birthday on And don't come out there and, so, don't come out there and lie about it either. Right. Don't come out to the, his, uh, his quote for what you're speaking about when he went up and hit the ball that was in motion, it was still moving and he went up there and ran around there and hit it. He said, it's certainly not meant to show disrespect to the tournament. It's meant to take advantage of the rules as best you can. Beat it. In that situation, I was just going back and forth. I would gladly take the two shots over continuing that display. That is complete BS spin from Phil after the round, like when he had time to think about it, because there was a quote from his scorekeeper, the guy who's carrying like the official scorecard, yeah. went up to Phil and was like, what did you get? And he's like, I don't care. Put me down for whatever. Like he was still pissed. <laughs> Seriously, like that was a quote from the scorekeeper that said that after the round. No thought to so like the- I, I So I did think there was an overreaction on Saturday with the talk around it, like this is egregious, this is going to affect his legacy. All this stuff, like this is disrespectful to the game, but I do think he should have been disqualified. I don't think it was enough. I was trying to think of the equivalent in another sport. 
I think this is the equivalent in the NBA. If a guy who's on the bench reaches out and trips Steph Curry, like as he's running down the court, like, or as he's trying to shoot, I think it's the equivalent of a player coming off the field who's not in a game of wow. football and making a tackle. You deserve to get kicked out. Like, I just wow. think it's one of those rules that you never see happen. And I think he should have been disqualified. I was trying, cause I was really trying to think, like, it's, what is the equivalent? Cause you've never seen this before. John Daly did it once at the US Open at Pinehurst a while back. That was the only other time you're, everybody's like, oh, it's John Daly. Like he gets, you know, it's like, right. whatever. He's, you know, <laughs> this guy's a hothead. That's the thing I thought was unique about it, but I totally agree with you. I maybe, think he should have been disqualified. Maybe like you're shooting a free throw and I'm on the opposing team. And when you shoot your free throw, I go in there and do that like goaltending thing. I don't let you make the free throw type of deal. Yeah. You know, where it's just yeah. completely like, it's a free throw, dude. Like you're not going to block my free throw. Right. So the free throw counts and I'm going to tech you up. And now I got to decide whether it was like egregious enough to like kick right. you out of the game. That's a good one. That is a good one. Because I like, like that. the equivalent of somebody running off the bench and tackling Steph Curry would be somebody coming like under the ropes and like just, Tearing the back out of Phil Mickelson, which right. maybe we should have let somebody do. <laughs> right. Like just, I guess the difference in mind is that you bring injury into play. Yeah. Like there wasn't, oh, nobody was going to get hurt from what Phil did, except their feelings hurt, which is, I think, what happened to a lot of golf fans who were so upset, traditionalists of the game. I'm with you, like, CQ him. It would have been it. a big deal. I don't even think Phil wanted to play Sunday. That's the like, thing. Get me out of here. Like, just kick. I think he was so pissed when they didn't disqualify him because he couldn't go home. Exactly. All right. Last headline. Kawhi Leonard will be a Los Angeles Laker next season. Overreaction or proper reaction so there were reports uh that Kawhi wants out of san antonio and the lakers have emerged as the favorites i think it's uh you're saying he will be a los angeles right. laker next season i think it's all right what well let I me let me adjust reaction all right let me adjust it Kawhi leonard will not be a spur that's a proper reaction <laughs> all right so that's a proper so you're just saying it's harder for him to it, the, the la factor is the one where there is a lot of salary cap stuff has to happen who's going there with him yeah and what all I, those pieces. what i mean he's made it clear now and no one else is going to touch him because once you say i want to play for the lakers whoever else trades for you is just given they're giving up assets for a rental right mm -hmm. so he has really forced their hand into trading him to the lakers like the NBA is so dope with the players having power like that. I love it I so know, much. Right. Um, but what I think may happen is some other team will get in his ear or LeBron or someone will get in his ear and open up the door for him to maybe look somewhere else. And I think that could probably happen. Picks and props. All right. Cool. Let's, uh, let's see how we're doing on our picks and props. All right. Cause I think right. we're doing pretty strong. Uh, let's let our standings up there where Raja still in the lead, even on the, the, what we look like, week. what we look like. Raja, top 10 and 4. I'm 9 and 6. I love the FIU logo. Oh, those are better those than the mugshots. Those are great. <laughs> so you and I combined 19 and 10. That's pretty strong. Not like, bad. If you want to make some money, listen to us. Not Debo and Hannah right there. Uh, so we're doing all right. So, all right. What, what, what was the I, loss this week on? What was it? Was, it? I think it was soccer. Raja, when you were here Wednesday, it was Jordan Spieth top 10, and you and Hannah both said yes. Ooh. And what was mine? Was mine a soccer? That's tough. Yours was soccer, which was yeah. Spain. You had minus one, and they ended up tying Portugal, so hence the L there. Um, Raja, I picked Jason Day to win the U.S. Open, so that definitely was a loss. You picked uh, Justin Rose, who was in it and for Dustin a while. And Dustin Johnson. Hannah, I thought, was going to break through with Dustin Johnson. Didn't come to be. Today, yeah. we're back to picking soccer. Two o'clock today, it's England versus Tunisia. England minus one, so they have to win. If Tunisia draws or they win themselves, then they win this bet. Danny, I know you were a little bit mad with me on Friday about some yeah. World Cup bets or lack of World Cup bets. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with England. I think they <laughs> – I am worried about these stupid standings because I like to do well in gambling. Do not yeah. listen to my soccer advice. Don't like, Do not listen to it. I can't name you a player on England's team. You don't get to do that, bro. No, 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 you don't get to do that. Make your pick. The, the dude Wayne Rooney still plays. Wayne Rooney is still. No, he does not. <laughs> so I'm gonna go with England. No, I'm going with. I think it's a good pick. I'm gonna go with England. I'm gonna go with the three Lions too. I think they'll. Uh, I think they're gonna open up after everybody like kind of. Like I said, kind of ease their way in. They look nervous. I think they're gonna come out and have a good game today. I will say this because I didn't watch very much World Cup over the weekend because I was dialed in to the uh, U.S. Open. I'm going to start watching and I'm going to start gambling because that'll get me. Interested. There you go. If I'm invested in it, I'm going to watch it. Boom. Get used to World Cup bets over the next month. For yeah. the record, I have Tunisia. All right, Ooh. the prop today. What number is higher? So the NBA.com official website put J.R. Smith's Game One NBA Finals Game Worn jersey. Up for auction. We remember his epic, probably the most infamous blunder in NBA Finals history at the end of that game right before overtime. That's up there. So what number is higher? The winning bid for that or J.R. Smith's career point total, which currently sits at 12,057. 
The bid right now, $3,000 on NBA.com. We got a couple days left before it expires. I'm going to say easy. Over. Over. I think some fan is going to want this. And I think there'll be multiple fans that want this. You think 15 racks? I do. And I think one day, well, it depends on how J.R. Smith's career ended up. Because it's not going to be like it's an illustrious career. But it's one of the most recognizable moments. I think some sports memorabilia fan and bidding. Like you ever put stuff on eBay? Like all of a sudden that last couple of minutes go ding, ding, ding. Like oh, back and it? forth. Oh, yeah. It's pretty fun to watch. I'm going to say over. I'm a guy on eBay. I just buy it now. Yeah, me too. I have no I'm patience. Bidding on that, I buy it now. Um, <laughs> I when I've sold stuff. Yeah, like, um, I'm going to say under. I'll go really? under. You don't think so? Listen, if some idiot pays over twelve thousand dollars for will. that damn jersey, that like the collectors, you've seen them outside hey, the hotels. If you're listening and you buy, stuff, you like, are an idiot. No, but if you, you buy that. But look at the people who come up to you with you. I'm okay. Autograph. I'm okay with that. Right. But if you're spending like twelve then, racks for one jersey. I would. We, say, we I think that. Debo set the number too low. I think it should be twenty five racks for a JR. Listen for for like because a of the moment. No, it's because of the moment. Oh. All right, we'll have to keep it. I think that one should be in the real standings, Debo. Uh, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. <laughs> one. I'm, I'm gonna put it on there on uh on uh the NBA.com. That's where it's, that's where it is, Debo. You can find it on NBA.com. All right, I'm gonna go check out it. I might even bid it up just so I'm right. All right, yeah. a little summer reading, with Raja. So since the NBA season is officially <laughs> over, yeah. uh, we need to get our non-LeBron fix. We're gonna have all the time for the NBA soap <laughs> opera. That's the off-season player movement. So on Mondays over the summer, we'll be reading excerpts from the book Seven Seconds or Less by Jack McCallum. Prominently featuring none other than our guy, Raja Bell. So what are we on? Chapter two here? Uh, yeah, I guess. So what do we got? All right. This is a follow up to the Kobe dropping 51 in the regular season where we left off right. uh, last week. <laughs> so after saying all the right things to the press, Bell stood in front of his locker, doing well to contain the fury he felt inside. Way to go, Rara, he said aloud. You held him to fitty. He deliberately used, deliberately used the street pronunciation. All right. Is Jack McCallum like an old white guy? Yes. Because right, this is exactly like, the fact that he had to explain that. Yeah. Like, uh, who's buying this book? A bunch of old white guys, I guess. Like, right. did you really need to uh, explain that there? Uh, do you remember your state of mind when you made this comment after that game? I think it like, was. Like, was this a sarcastic? Sarcastic. Like, what else you wanted like, to do? It wasn't mad. No, it wasn't mad. It was joking. Like, but, but it was like, look, what do you want me? Like, I held him right. at 50. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> right. Like, I, I didn't take myself too seriously most of the time. Sometimes I did. Right. All right. Continue. Um. All right. So, plus, this is a continuation, apparently. Plus, when Bryant was asked about the sometimes contentious scrums between him and Bell, Bryant scrunched up his face, as only Bryant can do, and said with requisite contempt, Raja Bell. I got bigger fish to fry than Raja Bell. Oh, so, so Kobe has been on record several times kind of throwing you under the bus. Oh, what? All this trash that was talked, and you, you still have his number, like you still can text him, like he's yeah. on your cell phone. Did you ever get ticked at Kobe for some of the stuff he said, or was it just part of the trash that was going back and forth? Like during this time, Kobe and I were not cool. <laughs> right. This was, this was like, if I, if I see you in the streets, like it could potentially go down between me and Kobe. Um, all right. Everybody knows about the clothesline, right? Cause everybody's seen it on loop, right. seen it out there. Were there other dirty tactics that you used or did you, were you fair and square? I'm going to play D. No, I D'd up. I felt my clothesline came from, from me thinking that he was playing dirty. Like he was, I typically, they ran <clears throat> the triangle. And so they have this blind pig motion where I would, I wish I had a telestrator. I'd draw it up for you. Yeah. But anyway, he catch it at the mid post. And if I fronted him or tried to deny him the ball, he could spin out and go to the rim and there would be nothing I could do. So I was almost, I was relegated to playing kind of behind him and he knew that. And he would throw like in it, you know, he'd have his hands up asking for the ball. And his elbows would naturally be like right near my chin. And he was great at just throwing these little elbows right into my face as he was asking for the ball. And no ref in the world would ever call it. And I asked the whole series, the whole series for them to do something about it. And they didn't. And then that's when the clothesline came in. So I did not play dirty. Um, I thought that he did. Nice. Yeah. That's what, that's what triggered the clothesline. Mm -hmm. Yep. I love it. All right. Continue. All right. So um, there's no real heading on this, but this is a different topic. Amari Stoudemire was born in Lake Wales, Florida, and his favorite team is Florida State. And James Jones, who graduated from the University of Miami, are engaged in a spirited debate over which school has sent the superior talent to the NFL, going through it on a position-by-position -position basis. If Stoudemire is able to devote half the degree of attention to the rudiments of defense, the Suns will be, as, be a much superior team next season. <laughs> Damn, Jack! I know, right? Just bringing shots. that haymaker right there. I just want to know why Danny Cannell wasn't referenced when you're talking about the superior talent, <laughs> talent in the NFL. The NFL right. Yeah, why well, wasn't there? That was in my heyday right there. Uh, all right, I, I love this segment. It's so, fantastic. I love uh, it. So, I love look, stat, stat 
um, is my dude. Like his son comes and works out with us in the gym right now. Stat, we just didn't put an emphasis on defense. Stat was a young player. He was just coming into the league and all he knew was what Mike and the sons were doing at the time was offense, offense, offense. It wasn't, it wasn't his fault. Like you're a product of what, you know, what the culture is. And that's, you know, Stat got a bad rap for that. He was an awesome teammate, awesome player. All right, let's do some socially relevant. Socially relevant. Because this is the workout regime I was talking about yeah. at the beginning of the show. So Mike Bibby, there, this is the, this is amazing to me. If you see like the pre Mike Bibby and these, yeah. where there was this picture out on Instagram, he uh, last played in the NBA in 2012. Six years later, don't skip leg day, Mike. Yeah, they are looking a little, bad. They're a little <laughs> down below. Do you think this is natural? Um, I that's a lot. That's a lot. That's a lot of shoulder. Look at that left shoulder. Yeah. I would, yes, because Mike is my dude and I don't want to be throwing any shade. Right. I think this is supplemental, supplemental, supplementally natural. Like he, I don't think it's roids. Right. Right. There's but I, something. Yeah. But he's, I mean, look, man. He's a workout free. Hey, he's made the money. Maybe that's all he's dedicated to now is, is yeah. working out. I think he's found the right, like, you know, GNC product to help maximize. <laughs> so D Wade <laughs> called him out, said 2012. Hey, punk catch. 2018. Hey, sir. Excuse me. You dropped your shoe. <laughs> that's pretty good. Mike is I think that's everybody there would be. And I think there's a lot of guys who can't lift, especially basketball players, because you would turn like this and you, you can't get too shoot. buff and you can't do anything uh, when you get out. But dude, if I lifted every, if I devoted myself to lifting right now, like my, hell no. I don't think I, I don't. Do. I just I won't blow up like that. Again, I again I don't want to accuse anybody of anything. Some guys are naturally gifted. They have body makeup that they can get that jacked without it. I would find it hard to believe though, because especially that's way. a lot of muscle mass, bro. Yeah, usually you get. He was a slight dude. Yeah, and he's not anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I mean he is definitely not anymore. So let's keep up with that, and uh, I'm gonna have to see what his workout regimen is so I can get on it. Time now for your refresh. Brooks Kepka became the first player since Curtis Strange in 1989 to win back-to-back -back U.S. Opens on Sunday. He finished at one over after a final round 72 to finish a shot ahead of Tommy Fleetwood. Fleetwood fired a final round 63, tying the open record for a single round. The world champion Astros are showing no signs of slowing down. Houston wins its 11th straight on Sunday after a 7-4 win at Kansas City. Not only that, but the Astros completed their road trip at 10-0. They outscored the Rangers, the A's, and the Royals 74-35 along the way. And Irving Lozano... Forever became a hero in Mexico as Eltry beat defending world champion Germany one to nothing on Sunday in Moscow. Lozano scored in the 35th minute with the strike reportedly setting off an earthquake caused by celebrating fans in Mexico City. That was your refresh. Guys, I just have to say, I was on a plane yesterday during that game, and the guy sitting next to me was screaming the whole time. Now, I was not watching, but he kept freaking me out. I didn't know what he was screaming at, but I think yeah. he was part of that earthquake. In today's travel world, like, you don't want to have somebody screaming on an airplane, especially you don't know what they're talking about out there. Absolutely. So, yeah, let's, let's keep the, the celebrating only on land, not an airplane. Uh, just a little beside, behind the scenes uh, for people listening right now who yeah. can't see us. So I actually have a chat window open here with Debo, our producer. Right. And as we are taping this if you're listening back on the podcast i'm trying to find out sweden or south carolina or south carolina south korea yeah. who to bet because we have three minutes i gotta get something in so it i is. watch this game what'd you get so debo you're doing topics what do we got what are we betting for this game live as it's unfolding topics so i told you to completely fade me i bet sweden and the over which is set at two goals right now they're two low scoring teams it's probably going to be the under so just fade me so we can go against each other <laughs> all right sounds good all right what do you got for topics all right, so anything is possible when you're Warriors uh. rookie and NBA champ Jordan Bell. At least that what it seems like when you're drinking from one of the dozens of bottles of Hennessy that Hennessy sent Bell after his coming out party during the Warriors parade last week. If he runs out of this supply as quickly as the parade, uh, I think we got some problems on our hands. I'm so jealous. I know, right? I am. Not because of Hennessy. I mean, that's so dope. But let me tell you, 2001 finals, right? Like, would hey, Debo, did I have as much to do with the 01 finals and the Sixers run as Jordan Bell had to do with Golden State? I would argue more. Okay. Yeah. So I go to a dealership in Philly, right? Like, yeah. just complete brass balls. And I'm like, yo, y'all need to let me get a deal and get a Cadillac yeah. like Escalade. Yeah. And the general manager comes over and is like, yeah, you need to get more of a resume and do some more no, stuff. No, he did everything. not. Absolutely, bro. I was. He wasn't even diplomatic about nah, it. Nah, dog. Like, give you like a little work. No, I was around? with, I was with Damone Brown and somebody else and he completely shot me down. Now I did wind up getting multiple Cadillac dealership like <laughs> yeah. later in my career, but right. the point was they made me do more than Jordan Bell did to get that. Up. My best cardio ever. So yeah. the Giants, the tickets were super hard to come by, and every player got two tickets for every game. Yeah. 
So I had a deal with a Mitsubishi dealer, nice. and you'd get uh, you give them your two tickets, and they'd give you a car for that's the year. Awesome. That was awesome, and you'd swap them out like every three months. Yeah, that's so dope. What was the little Mitsubishi, the little thing? The Eclipse. Yeah, yeah. I had a ton of thing, I yes. didn't really know. Had how a little to drive lump stick. on the hood. Yes. No doubt. I didn't really know how to drive stick, but they gave me one, and I love driving. I'm like, eh, just wrecking the clutch. I went that's from awesome. I went from in my good days, I was all Escalades, right? Like yeah. Escalades in Phoenix, and then by the time I got to Utah, I was uh uh. Well, Subarus. <laughs> nice. They were nice little cars, though. I like Subarus. No, yeah. no, they're good. Yeah, for and they were really good to me, man. Shout out. <laughs> nice. Shout out. All right, next up. So Pizza Hut apparently sent like a hundred boxes as well to Jordan Bell to go along. I hear you, JP. Do it, brother. Take advantage of it. Um, so alcohol, the theme early on here in topics. Bear Bottle, a San Francisco brewery with modest Yelp reviews. If you're making an NBA equivalent, they're like the Sean Livingston of breweries. They came out with a new item on the menu. LeBron's Tears, it's called. Now that is LeBron with a lowercase b. We don't want any copyright trademark infringement here. They cite um, Sir James Tears. It's what it's made of following Cleveland's game one loss. It's distilled from a hazy IPA. 6.5 ABV. Um, Danny, I think, already had a case shipped. <laughs> That's right. Hey, if you control them, go ahead and troll them. Like, why not? If it's going to sell too, especially in the Bay Area, you just own them you just with a sweep. Why yeah, not? Bro, it's all in good fun. Yeah, well, not it? for LeBron. <laughs> um, so from breweries to brewers relief pitcher, Adrian Hauser embodying the phrase puke and rally. He vomited before he took the mound in the eighth inning against the Phillies on Sunday. He got a couple pitches in and he puked again. Sounds like Raja after a 13-second keg stand. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing better than a good puke and rally, though. So did you <laughs> did you have players? Because in the NFL, this was a thing. And in college. Yeah, like a lot of guys almost had to do it before games. No like way. A, nobody in the NBA, you no. never saw anybody puking from mm-hmm. nerves or anything. I would be really curious to know if this is a result of nerves or if this was the flu or, or if was it, was. it some other type of sickness that was a long night before because I've seen those as well. Really? Oh, Bro, yeah. you had to get it in if you're still from, puking in the, mid, the in midday. From yeah. the, geez, <laughs> Louise. You guys, what do you think is worse? What do you think is worse? Doing that on the field or passing out on a first date? Shout <laughs> <laughs> out our boy Debo. I would go... I would go with a first date anytime, yeah. especially if she was potentially like a keeper. Then you're screwed. Yeah, like you're, you're done. done. It's, you're it's, done. A, it's a done deal. It's a wrap. Good thing it wasn't. Anytime she can. I love it. All right. That's a wrap for us on Canel and Bell this Monday edition. Uh, again, I hope everybody had a great weekend. Enjoy the Father's Day. Uh, if you haven't uh, followed us yet, go to iTunes, download, subscribe. Uh, make sure you leave a five-star review because every Friday we're going to do our five-star Q&A. And as always, go follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canel and Bell.